Well, good morning, church. If you're visiting with us today, my name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege uh, to fill this pulpit. And I take a Sunday off every now and then, but I've been doing that now for over 13 years, and it's a joy and privilege for me to be able to do that. If you're visiting with us today, we are glad that you're here. I've written three um, daily devotionals, and they're around here somewhere. I think there's some back by this door here. The fourth one's at the publisher right now, and we give those to our our visitors and um, as an expression of thank you for visiting with us and hope that you will uh, come again. Those of you that are joining us online, we thank you that you're here. Look forward to when you can be in the sanctuary and worship with us live. Obviously, uh, we're disappointed in the outcome of the election, but we're not surprised, okay? Uh, Anyone that has even a bit of a clue, when they looked at what happened in Kansas several months ago and when they looked at what happened in August, in the special election that we had in August, uh, knew what was coming down the pipe unless God chose to intervene in some way. The percentages that on the August special election were about the same percentages as we had here. Um, Josh said it well that... um, And while as Christians we are involved in politics, um, if we're not, we might as well be Amish. Uh, There's an intersection between faith and culture that we're called to be salt and light in that. And so we do get involved, but our hope is not there. Our hope is not there. Um, The pro-life fight continues and has been going on. Can't you imagine how they felt in 1973, the pro-life forces, when Roe v. Wade was originally, uh, the decision originally came down. And pro-life forces continue to fight. And, um, and some of the fruit of that fight was just seen last year when we had 900,000 babies that were aborted, and that's a lot. But that is 600,000 less than at its high in 1990 of 1.5 million. So that's good news. <laughs> That is really good news. And uh, what would happen in the next three decades if that 600,000 came down a similar percentage? The pro-life fight continues. I get very irritated with people that are moaning, groan, and woe is us, and just want to get mad and angry about all of that. We can take a few days to do that, lick our wounds, and the fight continues. Um, person called in the office this week, wanted to know where they could donate to 3D ultrasounds. Medical technology is the pro-life friend is a friend of pro-life. The, more, the better the technology gets, uh, the more people can see uh, that it's not just a zygote, that it's not just an embryo. Technology is our friend. And we have started a, a, a fund, and I'm thinking about talking to the board by starting a line item, that we would portion of your tithe would be given to uh, organizations that uh, provide free ultrasounds for um, pregnant mothers, and the statistics are clear on that, that abortion-minded women, uh, if they see the 3D ultrasound, one-third of them will choose life. And so the fight continues in all kinds of different ways. But we all knew that we were up against it on this, and so uh, we're uh, disappointed, obviously, but we're not uh, surprised. And the fight um, will continue through all of that. If you would like to donate... Um, to the fund that we're starting to start uh, to fund 3D ultrasound, you just need to be able to give and market as that, and we'll make sure it goes to the right place. The reason we have trouble in this world and reason things like this election happen is because 
the kingdom of God is not fully here yet. Um, there's a part, a part of the kingdom of God, and we, we spent an hour and a half at men's Bible study on this on Tuesday night. A part of the kingdom of God is already here. Uh, God is, God's reign right now is in our hearts. Uh, he doesn't reign in the earth right now, and because he doesn't reign, that's why we have things that happen like happened last Tuesday. God will reign someday in the future that none of us know when that will be. He will reign in this earth. And everything will be like he wants it to be. But right now, it's not because he has um, withholding back his reign uh, on that. But the reign that he has where the kingdom is flourishing is in our hearts. Uh, kingdom is where the king is. And in this day and age that we call the church age, that the kingdom is in our hearts. So the kingdom is already here, but it's not yet here. And that's a tremendously profound theological thought. The kingdom is already here. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven. Houses such are these. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. All the passages that are about the kingdom is about the kingdom ruling in our life. But there's a day where the kingdom will be here and we'll have no more, no, we'll have no more passages of issue one the kingdom is already here but it's not yet here and because it's not yet here we have trouble and things don't go well in this world and if you've been with us very long you've heard me uh, quote a verse over and over and over again and it's one of the most important verses in all of scripture on how we approach stuff like this and how we deal with the realities of life when they're not the way that we want them to the, the series that we're in is Walking in Truth, and the message is, today is titled The Truth About Living in This World, and that's a rather awkward title, and, and, but that's the best, best I can do. The truth about living in this world is found in John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says this, these words, I have told you these things so that in me, in me, not in government, not in politics, not in elections, in me, you will have peace. And if you're looking for peace in government, if you're looking for peace in elections, if you're looking for peace in the ballot, uh, on the ballot or in the voting booth, you are looking in the wrong direction and you are one naive soul. You will never have peace there. Peace is in me. Because in this world, you will have trouble, the verse says. Now, if you don't grab that verse, you're going to live a frustrated Christian life. In this world, Jesus said, that's the way to get a lot of followers, isn't it? See, didn't, Jesus didn't do little cute little things to get followers. He just told them the truth. He says, if you follow me, you're going to have trouble. He said, blessed are you who are persecuted. Well, that'll, that'll increase your following a whole lot. Jesus told his followers, told his disciples, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. But take heart. I've overcome the world. And you can be an overcomer. But the only way you can be an overcomer is not through the ballot box. You can be an overcomer in me. 
And if you don't grab that, you're going to put way too much faith in what goes on in Columbus, or way too much faith in what goes on in Washington, D.C., or way too much faith in what goes on in the city council or the school board. We should vote. We should be involved. We all should have our, election, uh, our opinions on that. But our peace is not what the school board's going to do. Our peace is not what the city council is going to do. Our peace is not what the Ohio State Legislature is going to do. Our peace is not what happens in D.C. Our peace is in Jesus. And in Jesus, we can be overcomers. We cannot be overcomers. I don't think there's a single person in here that enjoys politics as much as I do. I really don't. I really don't. There ain't no peace there. There ain't no peace there. Jesus said, in me, you will have peace. And in me, you will have peace and you'll be able to deal with the trouble that you will have. In this world, you will have trouble. That little Greek word trouble shows up several different places in Scripture. Here's, here's a passage every single young person ought to memorize right now. It's coming up next. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. You need to remember that. Amen. Amen, everybody says. Male and female, you're saying that right now. That's the same exact word. Same exact Greek word. The same exact Greek word. It gets translated tribulation sometimes. Okay? You just got that joke, Josh? Josh laughed a little late on that, okay? <laughs> now, what does this Greek word mean, trouble? You can define the word all you want to, what you think trouble means, but what is important is what is this word that the Apostle Paul wrote, what, the word that he wrote, what does it mean? You know what it means? Literally, it means to crush and to press together. It's literally taken it's the same word that they used when people used to walk on grapes. And why did they walk on grapes? To get all the juice out of them. Now we've got wine presses that we just squeeze all the juice out of them. That's the word. And don't you feel pressed by the anti-Christian stuff that goes on in this world? Don't you feel burdened? That's the word. Think how Israel must feel when they're pressed on every side, north, south, east, and west. In this world, you will have trouble. You will be pressed. So how do we deal with that? How do, how do we deal with that? Why do we have all this trouble? Why did, why did Jesus... Why, why don't we just set Jesus and ride a roller coaster to heaven? It's just, it's just great, man. You know? And everybody thought, a lot of people think that because they say, why? Fill in the blank. Why? You know why? In this world you will have trouble. Get it right now and you'll never ask why again. At least not today. You may, we probably will tomorrow. Because we do that. I was talking before the service and I was honest enough to, as I was speaking to this lady, to say, I, I don't know why the Lord has still got my mom around. She's got a 14 by 14 existence. And a lot of you could say that about your parent, parental struggle. And one day I'm going to get a phone call from Shawnee 
nursing home and they're going to say, your mother has died. And I'm going to say, praise God. She has no life. In this world, you will have trouble. And why do we have trouble? Why do we have trouble? Well, trouble comes from the freedom to choose. I'll stand first in line. And I'm honest enough and transparent enough and maybe wise enough to be able to say that most of the trouble I've had in my life, I caused. I hope you've gotten to that point of wisdom. Because, you know, it's really a cool thing when you decide that because I can correct it. <laughs> if Gary caused all my trouble, I can't correct Gary's behavior. But I can correct my own. Levi got in trouble. Is Levi here today? I'm going to tell a story about it. Levi got in trouble last week. <laughs> I kind of laughed because I knew he was. <laughs> they have to go to chapel five days a week. And so Levi being my own son, scanned into, scanned in to chapel and went back to his dorm. <laughs> Don't look at me like you've never done this. Look at Travis back there. <laughs> so he called me all upset. And he said, he's going to go have to meet the dean. and all that. I said, Levi, that's no big deal. You have it in your power to correct this problem. Just don't miss chapel again. This is not a problem. This is not a problem. This totally rests in your hands. This is not a problem. Don't call, call unto me. Just don't do it again. Trouble comes from the freedom to choose. And most of the problems in my life have come from my poor choices. And the second biggest amount of problems in my life came from freedom that other people had to choose and that affected me in some way. So the number two, two big reasons that we have trouble in our lives, it's not because the devil made us do it. It's not because the devil's really jumped on my back this week. Well, don't take him for a ride, man. What's the problem? <laughs> the devil didn't make you do it. The devil lies to you. The devil can tempt you. Trouble comes from my choices and choices other people make that affect me. Every single chapter of the book talks about free will, except the first. With every other chapter, whether it doesn't say it implicitly, it, it, uh, it doesn't say it explicitly, it may say it implicitly. It talks about that free will that God has chosen to give, give us has caused us problems. And God had to give us free will, or do we just be little robots? And, and as much, wives, as much as you'd like your husband to be a robot and do everything you said, you wouldn't like it if it was really that way. Because you want your husband to respond to you freely. So in Genesis chapter 2 is a passage that I continue to come back to time and time and time again because it's so theologically significant. So in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, free will is given to us. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden, but you must not eat 
from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for if you do, there will be consequences for your behavior. You will spiritually die. In every other chapter of the Bible, we see how that free will works out. Why do, why do we have trouble? It's called the freedom to choose. One of the most significant passages in all of the Pentateuch is found in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And here's Moses. As the people are getting ready to cross the Jordan River and come into the promised land, he says to them, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Those are choices. God says, I set before you today life or death, prosperity or destruction. It's, it's all right here before you, my people who I've led from Egyptian bondage. And you're going to go in this promised land and you're going to be able to choose between life and death and between prosperity and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in, in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, it's a heart issue, it's a heart issue, it's a heart issue. It's not a behavior issue because behavior flows from your heart. It's a heart issue. It's about getting your heart right. If you get your heart right, your walk and your talk will take care of itself. I told you that last week. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, why are people not obedient? Because their heart turns away. If their heart turns away and they are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed, God says to his chosen people. God says to Israel, you will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess this day i call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that i've said before you here's your choices life and death blessings and curses now here's our god now choose life god is not a god in the sky who's got his arm folded he's not interested in what's going on he just kind of spun this world into existence a lot of people believe in a god that kind of spun this world into existence because you know you know, you got to be clueless to think this happened without a God. But they don't want a personal God. So they would think that the God just spun this world into existence, and then he just kind of went off and did his God things and doesn't really care about what happens down here. Our God says, choose life. I'm pulling for you. Make good choices. Now choose life. And why do you choose life? So that you, so that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to those first Israelites. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why does trouble come? Why does trouble come? Comes from the freedom to choose. Well, another reason that God allows trouble to come in this world is because trouble will reveal what's in our hearts. 
How many people have come to Christ or accepted him, professed him, got baptized, but then when trouble came, they flew the coop. You see, trouble reveals what's really in your hearts. I was talking just yesterday to, to some people about COVID, and all churches are 10 to 15% down in their attendance, even more since COVID. We used to be consistently between 600 and 620. Now we do really good to get to 550. You know, during COVID, you weren't going to please everybody. You just couldn't. So I was talking to somebody about a couple in this church, and they left because they didn't, they, they, they didn't like the way we dealt with COVID. And, and I said, well, where are they going to church? And they said, they're not. Well, I mean, it's been, what, two years now? That's plenty of time to, they're not. Trouble revealed the state of their Christianity. And there's gobs of cases like that everywhere. I've told you before, I can't remember the guy's name, but I was a brand new Christian, maybe a one or two year old Christian. And I was working with this new Christian at Sterling Church of the Nazarene in Sterling, Illinois. And his wife had just left him and he got saved at the altar and and he was on fire for Jesus, but turned out six months later he was back out running with the world because he thought Jesus would bring his wife back. And when Jesus didn't bring his wife back, it revealed what was really in his heart. God allows trouble because it will reveal the true condition of our hearts. Somebody leaves this church because of COVID. I'm not excited about it, but I, I mean, I've been in this business a long time. People come and people go. I just want them to get involved with another Bible-believing church somewhere. But they're not yet involved two years later. Jesus told a parable, and basically what he told me in that parable is me as the preacher, teacher, the only thing I do on Sunday mornings is, is throw out seed, the gospel seed. That's all I do. I have no control over where the seed falls. I just throw it out. And, and, and Jesus told a parable and said the kingdom of God is like, like a sower who goes out and throws out seed. And he just throws it out indiscriminately. I don't take my seed and I don't point it toward Josh. I just throw it out there. And, 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 and the Bible says that some of it falls on hard soil. Some of it falls on good soil. Some of it falls on rocky soil. Don't make any difference. I, I don't have anything to do with the soils. I just throw out the truth. I just throw it out there, and it will fall on whatever kind of heart that may be out there. In Matthew chapter 13, this parable was so important, Jesus did what he usually didn't do to the parables. He explained this one. And most of the parables are kind of weird, right? So we scratch our head. But this was so important. He says, I don't want you to miss this. Here's what it means. Whenever anyone hears the message about the kingdom, the, the already but not yet kingdom, when you hear this message about the kingdom and they do not understand it, 
The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that's sown along the path. What's a path? It's, it's beaten down because people walk on it and walk on it and walk on it. And it's hard and it's beaten down. And the seed will not take root because it's the hard path. It, your heart's hard. The seed that falls on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they don't have any roots, they only last a short time when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. I've been in this business a long time and any pastor would say the same thing. I'm skeptical of people that come to your church and they're on fire right away and they want to jump into everything. My experience has taught me those people don't stay very long. I could just name, I could call the name of somebody. It's just happened in the last month in this church. But the seed that falls on good soil It takes root and provides a return. See, trouble reveals what's in our hearts. It reveals what's in our hearts. Trouble comes because of the freedom to choose. But God uses trouble to show us if our heart is right with God. Because if my heart is right with God, you can leave this church and we can have an honest disagreement, but you'll go find another church lickety-split, or at least try your hardest, or at least try your hardest. But if you stay out of church, it shows your heart was not right with God to begin with. Because Christian people go to church and don't let anybody tell you they don't. They need the gathering together. Well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, I don't have to spend time with my wife to be married, but how's it going to go? How's my relationship going to work out? I can also tell you that when trouble comes into our life, it's an opportunity for you to trust God. God uses it to reveal what's in your heart, but also it's an opportunity for you to trust God. When trouble... We're not thinking a whole lot of a boy, I really got to trust God today when things are going really well with us. When do you, when you, when do you tell yourself that you got to lean real hard? It's when you're going through trouble. I sought the Lord and he heard. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. And when are you seeking the Lord? You're probably seeking the Lord more when you're in trouble than when you're not. Let's just be honest human beings here. an opportunity to trust God I've done it's been probably over a year since I've done this so there's probably a lot of people that never seen this illustration some of you have seen it and probably know what I'm going to do if I can walk down these steps without twisting my ankle some people trust God but some people trusting can the video get me over here (laughs) probably not now see I'm, i'm not 
I, I, I can trust him, but you know what? If this thing gives out on me right now, I'll save myself. But if this thing gives out on me right now, I made a fool out of myself in front of all of you. If the, if the rubber on the soles of my shoes give out right now, I made a fool. See, there's some people that trust. And there's other people. Trouble is an opportunity to trust God. God uses and God will allow trouble to come into my life because it's an opportunity for deeper, deeper trust. And without faith and trust, I cannot please him. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Did you not know, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths will grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fail, but those who hope, who trust, old translation said, come on, wait. wait. Back in 1990, they had this new thing called choruses came out, and we used to sing about waiting on the Lord. We thought we were so cool. But those who hope in the Lord, who trust in the Lord, who wait. And why do you have to wait on God? Waiting is trusting because God hasn't acted yet, and I have to wait for him to act, and I have to trust and believe that he will. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The Bible says God's grace will be sufficient for you, but he doesn't say it will be sufficient in your strength. It will be sufficient in your weakness, in your weakness. In your weakness. God had to cut my legs out from under me to get me saved. He had to show me what an egotistical, proud guy I was who was trying to do everything on my own. You know, you know one of the most countercultural positions the human being can take is? Where in a culture do you get like this? This is not very cool. Where, where in the culture do you get like this? Well, you, you can't be a Christian unless you have this posture, maybe not in your body, but in your heart. Now, since I'm so old, I don't know if I can get up or not. <clears throat> you should get up easier than that. Trouble gives us opportunities to trust God. We could all tell our stories. Trouble helps us to find each other. Jesus said, you know what Jesus said the most important thing was? Everybody wants to know what's the most important thing. Jesus said the most important thing was to love God and love other people. And through all of his word, we, we find out how to love God. He, he tells us throughout his word what he expects, and if we love him, then we'll do those things. That's, that's what the commands are for. If I Love my wife, I'll do what she asks me. If I don't, you could really question whether I love my wife or not. It's not, a, it's not an emotional 
fuzzy, gooey feeling. It's just, it's an action. Love God and love other people. And, and we find each other when we have trouble, or at least we should. You know, some people are, don't want to share their problems with anybody, and the, I have those tendencies myself. But in the Christian life, that we support one another through stuff. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's in times of trouble that we find each other. Just after the service last week, I had a lady come up to me she, after the abortion sermon, and she says, um, been there, done that. I'll help anybody that's struggling with it. Trouble helps us to find each other. And finding each other is a good thing. Only, other, only people that don't know need, <clears throat> excuse me, the only people that don't need other people are proud, strong people. And that is a posture that's not conducive to the kingdom of God. Proud, strong people. As I finish... I can't leave without this verse. Trouble. God will allow trouble to come into our life. It comes because of the freedom to choose. Okay, that, but then what does God do with trouble? He, he, he will allow it to come. Trouble helps us mature in Christ. If you're a good parent, you will allow trouble to come in the life of your kids. You won't save them from every bit of trouble that their choices get them into. Because how do you learn in life? You only learn in life by messing up. You don't learn in life by doing things right the first time. You don't learn anything. You learn when you make a mistake. And, it, and if I would pull Levi and Christopher up out of every mistake they've made and save them from that because I probably could do that, then they wouldn't learn a thing. And I've not been a good parent. Because when they learn... From trouble, they will grow up, whether that's a secular type of growing up or whether that's a maturity in Christ. You only grow up when you mess up, man. You only grow up in hard times. James writes in chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, Consider it pure joys, my brother and sister, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Everybody that thinks you obey every verse of Scripture, you don't obey that one. There's not a single one of us in this room that count a pure joy when we face all kinds of trials. But James says, count a pure joy, brothers, when you're going through trouble, when you're going through tribulation. Because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Now, not lacking anything doesn't mean a Mercedes Benz. 
It means being the man or woman or boy and girl of God that God has called you to be. Go back to one verse, please. Consider pure joy when you go through trials because the testing You grow through testing. Steve Seitz, the basketball coach, varsity coach at Legacy, and if he scheduled just podunk teams for 20 straight games and didn't schedule anybody that would put his team to the test, they'd lose in the first round of the playoffs because they had not been tested. You only get better when you've been tested. When I was a basketball coach, we used to have a hard practice and then, then we run suicides. Those are very aptly named. The kids would run suicide and they'd be gasping for breath. They'd be... <laughs> By the way, this is the worst position you can be when you're out of breath. You need to be up so your lungs can work. I'll throw that in for nothing. I won't charge you that today. <laughs> You know what I would say to them when they're all like that? I said, you're preparing to win games right now. You're preparing to win games right now. This is what it takes to win games. Do you really want to win them? It's through the testing that you get stronger. You know, how many times have I said I'm going to lose weight? And if I was going to lose weight, I was going to have to put myself to the test. It's not only not eating, but exercise. And most of the time I said, just heck with it. <laughs> Which, go back to the first part of my message, revealed what was in it really in my heart because I cared more for my comfort than I did for losing weight. That's why people don't lose weight. Okay, and every time I bailed on my diet is because I cared more for my comfort. I cared more from eating those cinnamon crumb cakes than I did for really getting up at six o'clock in the morning and going to gym. It really revealed what's in my heart because the only way I was going to lose weight is put myself to the test. Because when when you put yourself to the test, and you good things can happen, and God uses troubles that. Grow us up, grow us up in the Lord. Husband and wives, your marriage has gone deeper and you become closer together because of the trials you went through. That trials may have been marriage difficulty. It may have been a kid that went off the handles. It may have been an, uh, a serious illness that one of your kids went through. It may have been a job loss. But in those times, those difficult times, it will reveal what's in your heart. And if you're really in it with each other, it'll bring you closer. Um, I said last week, <laughs> I said last week that I don't think that I've ever preached a more important message than I did last week. But this week, 
I don't really think I've ever preached a more important message than I did this week. Not important because it's so good. That's not at all what I'm saying. Or how it was so, because it was delivered so well. That has nothing to do with it. It was because of what's in the message. What's in the message. And if you don't grab this, you have a frustrated Christian life. If you don't grab this, you have a frustrated Christian life. The Christian life is not having your best life now. The kingdom is already but not yet. We'll have our best life in the not yet. But in this world, you will have trouble. That's why we lose elections. And that's why it seems like in this world, God is not in control. Because he withholds his total rule in his reign to the not yet time that's coming, but wants it to rule and reign right here in this present age. Our servers are coming to the table. And when you talk about trouble, look at the trouble that Jesus had to go through. That God used that for a very, very good thing. Good things come from trouble, friends. Trouble, not necessarily good. I'm not saying trouble is good. Hear me. That's a big distinction you got to make. I'm not saying trouble is good. I'm saying good things can come from trouble. If you think trouble is good, you're weird, man. But the trouble that Jesus had on the cross brought us the best thing imaginable. Assured us, even though it's not already here, one day we will experience the true kingdom. Only because of what Jesus did on the cross and our trust and faith in that event. I don't know where you are in this message well, how it hits you, and I don't have any clue, but I want you to know that our altars are open. Our servers are ready to serve you communion as well. You worship in these next few moments as you see fit.